In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We'd like to begin this homily with a quote. She is the highest woman and the noblest gem in Christianity after Christ. She is nobility, wisdom, and holiness personified. We can never honor her enough, and yet honor and praise must be given to her in such a way as neither to injure Christ nor the scriptures. The she in this quote is Mary, and the one speaking of her is Luther in his Christmas sermon of 1531. Luther, in maturity, preaching these things after both catechisms were written. It is quite possible to go beyond the scriptures and to make too much of Mary, such that she begins to receive the worship and praise due only to Christ. But it's also quite possible to fall short of what the scriptures do say about Mary, thus treating her with less honor than she deserves. Mary is, at least in a narrow sense, the very first Christian. It is true, of course, that all of God's people in the Old and New Testaments were looking for the Messiah, the Christ, and therefore are rightly regarded as Christians, the true origin of Christianity stretching all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, when God says that the offspring of the woman would crush the serpent's head. But Mary is the first to believe that her child is the Messiah, that Jesus is this Christ promised and sent by God. And thus also, she is that woman of whom it is said, the offspring of the woman will crush the serpent's head. The angel Gabriel calls Mary the favored one. Though she was merely a handmaiden by her own estimation, and probably only 13 to 15 years old, God chose her to bear the savior of our race. Elizabeth, herself pregnant with John the Baptist, is filled with the Holy Spirit, as we heard just a few moments ago. And she calls Mary the mother of my Lord. The Christological controversies of the first centuries of the early church, Mary is called the Theotokos, the God-bearer, who carries God in her womb. The real question being asked wasn't so much about Mary as it was about her son. Is her child God or not? If so, she is rightly called the mother of God. By the Council of Ephesus in 431 AD, there isn't a single faithful Christian who would deny her this title. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, her child is true God and true man in one person. As St. Ambrose of the 4th century teaches us to sing, in her womb this truth was shown. God was there upon his throne. And we, too, will have opportunity to sing these words in just a few moments. Mary's womb is his throne, a very different kind of throne, to be sure, for a very different kind of king, a king whose kingdom is not of this world. 
a king whose crown will be made of thorns, a king who reigns by becoming lowliest and servant of all. On the cross, yes, but also in the womb. As Ambrose says, in her womb this truth was shown. God was there upon his throne. Which means that the king of angels, as the scriptures call him, is also the fetus king, king of the unborn, king of the newly born, king of the lowliest and least of all human beings. At least that's how the world esteems them, does it not? Despising them, counting them as nothing, murdering and aborting them, acting as though they were not even human. But consider our God, who comes as they are, for them and for us, and for all who are despised and rejected as lowly and least. He is the unborn king and savior of the unborn, for he took on their flesh. He is the child king and the savior of all children, for he also grew in wisdom and stature. He is the king of teens and adults and, yes, old persons. For he bears our flesh and so is like unto us in all ways except for sin. True God, begotten of the Father from eternity, as the Catechism says, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, he is our Lord. Of course, if you need no savior because you have no sin, then he's not for you. If you have no sorrow, he might not be for you either, for he is the man of sorrows. If you will die no death, he's not for you. He has come only to raise the dead. He has come for sinners. He's come for those who walk in the valley of the shadow of death. Of course, in truth, that's every last one of us. But the world loves the lie rather than the truth, for he is the truth. To look for God, Luther says, don't look up to the sky. You won't find him there. Look down. God is not found amongst the high and mighty. He's not found in a palace, but rather in a manger. He is found among the poor and lowly. This is the mystery of which Mary sings, of which her son Jesus will also so frequently preach. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he says. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, she says. To be poor in spirit is to have nothing else, to have no hope, save for God, who is our Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, Mary sings. And a bit later, she comes to the main theme of her song, to the great reversal. He has scattered the proud and the imaginations of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, and 
has exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. It is the great reversal. The proud are scattered. The mighty are cast down. The rich are sent away empty, but the humble are gathered to him, to the womb and the manger, to the cross and the altar. The hungry are fed, the lowly are lifted up. The Almighty Son of God made himself nothing, the scriptures say, taking on the form of a servant. He who is everything became nothing so that we who are nothing might have everything in him. He is the hope of the hopeless. He is the riches of the poor. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is it friendship with him or friendship with the world? He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And that is what we are. God has declared we who are sinful righteous in his Son. God has declared we who are dying worthy of eternal life with him forever. The Son became flesh so that we who are flesh might become sons. Therefore, now is the time to embrace lowliness, for he will exalt us. Now is the time to be faithful unto death, for he will raise us. Now is the time to believe like a little child, for our heavenly Father will make all that he has spoken come to pass. Now is the time to be as Mary, to have faith that Jesus is the Christ, and to ponder these things in our hearts. Humble yourselves before the Lord, the scriptures say, and he will exalt you. God took a lowly handmaiden and made her into a queen. At least that's what Revelation chapter 12 depicts. The humble teenage girl who believed the word and bore the shame of being pregnant apart from Joseph. The humble mother who believed the word when they nailed her son to the cross. The humble woman who the world derided as naive, uneducated, and hopelessly foolish is the woman who is clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, crowned with 12 stars. She is icon of the Holy Church, mother of all believers, for she herself believed the word of God. He who humbles the exalted and exalts the humble, who heals the sick, who gives sight to the blind, who causes the lame to walk, who raises the dead, who becomes the curse in order to reverse the curse. For cursed is the one who dies on a tree. Cursed indeed, that we who are cursed might be blessed with him. It was our first mother, Eve, who sought to elevate herself and become like God. From Eve's pride came man's fall. Thus, from Mary's humility comes man's redemption. Of course, to be absolutely clear, Eve is no more the cause of man's fall than Mary is the cause of man's salvation. The cause of man's fall is Adam himself, as the scriptures teach. 
The cause of man's redemption is Christ himself, as the scriptures teach. But even so, we confess with the scriptures the role that these women play, including, or that is to say, Eve and Mary. The fruit from Eve's hand brought death. The fruit from Mary's hand brings life. The fruit from Eve's hand brought separation from God. The fruit from Mary's hand brings reconciliation with God. From Eve's brazenness, God against us. From Mary's humility, Emmanuel, God with us. The fruit from Eve brought pain in childbearing and marital strife. The fruit of Mary brings a new and painless birth of water and the Spirit and the wedding feast of the Lamb. The fruit of Eve brought hard labor for earthly bread. The fruit of Mary is the bread of life freely given. The fruit of Eve brought pain and sweat and thorn and thistle. The fruit of Mary, with pain and sweat, with thorn and thistle wrapped around his head, removes this curse forever. The fruit of Eve defleshes man and returns him to dust. The fruit of Mary enfleshes God and returns man from the dust. Yes, the fruit of Eve hung from a living tree and brought us death through eating. The fruit of Mary hung from a dead tree and yet brings us life through eating. For what fruit hangs from that tree of death but that which gives life? The tree of death has become the tree of life. And of that which hangs upon it, he says, take eat, take drink for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And where there is forgiveness, there is life and salvation. From the hand of woman, we first receive the fruit of death. So now from the womb of woman, we receive the fruit of eternal life. O woman, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.